Welcome to The Real Talk, a calm place for mad conversations. I'm your host, Lia Onapo, a transformation coach, creative writer, eternal optimist and curious soul. Get ready for some real conversations. And you might want to cover your children's ears because there is no censoring in my podcast. I'm excited to talk today with Joanna Walden, who spent 20 years working in advertising and have been exploring different spiritual practices and sacred sites around the globe. Currently residing in New Zealand, Joanna quit the corporate world to start a transformational consulting business and begin sharing her knowledge and voice with the world. Today, we are going to talk about her search for truth and purpose and her travel memoir, the inside hustle and mystical misfits travel adventure into the unknown. Welcome, Joanna. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, so glad. We already started the conversation, but now we were like, okay, let's record this. this is <laughs> Always the way. <laughs> yes. So your book starts with living in New York while 9-11 happened. Yes, so it does. Could you share with us what exactly happened in your life that day and I mean, this was the beginning of your journey when it comes to, you know, like the conscious journey that you, you talk about in the book. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about it. Well, you know, obviously it was one of those events that I was quite young. I'd only just moved to New York and I'd been there maybe four months and I was about 23, I think. I just turned 23 and, you know, it was an event like no other I had ever experienced. And so it was really sort of shocking and discombobulating from that level but not only that I just um, had this innate experience of feeling like I didn't want to get carried away in all of this hysteria that I could see around me I just didn't it just didn't feel right and I didn't know why I almost felt guilty for not doing it I felt guilty for not just being beside myself in grief and craziness and I just felt this kind of undercurrent of calm and it almost felt like I was just sort of anchoring, anchoring some kind of energy. And, you know, I just, I couldn't work out why I felt so different from everyone else. And I really was confused about it. And, um, and then I sort of, you know, had some further moments as I went through that when I was doing meditation and having some experiences of things in my body um, that it felt like I had come into a point of consciousness with myself that was like a broader consciousness. It was more than just me. And it felt like I totally understood why all this was stuff was happening around me. I could see this bigger perspective. It made complete sense. It wasn't anything to be panicked or freaked out by or hysterical over. It was just, it was what it was. And I could really just see why exactly everything was orchestrated as it was. And so I found this period of like, of really grounding into this um, this deeper conscious energy that really pervades everything that happens in our reality, and I think that made me sort of reevaluate my life really and what I really wanted out of it because I wanted really more of what I was experiencing in that moment rather than this sort of like what I found was a bit boring even though I was really successful working on Madison Avenue and advertising and having this amazing New York lifestyle, you know. So yeah, that was. I just sort of wasn't really satisfied with all that stuff, the material stuff and the success. And I wanted something deeper and more fulfilling. And the only thing I could identify it was that, well, that experience that I had at that time um, during 9-11. And what happened after that? You left New York, right? 
I worked there for many years more. I was there for about six years in total. And then I left New York because I sort of just felt like I wanted to, I wanted more, you know, as I was saying, I was just, just that the success and advertising and the career and all that kind of stuff and living in one of the greatest cities in the world. It wasn't really enough for me. And I, I felt like at this point, I just thought it was something in my career that maybe needed to be more fulfilling. And I was limited by a visa in New York and it was going to take a long time to get a green card. So I went to London because, um, you know, as New Zealander, we get the opportunity to go there and work. And I was running out of time. Like you have to do it before you're like 28 or something, um, 28 or 29. And so I did, I went that and did that. But as I was moving to London, I decided to go and hike the Camino to Santiago through the north of Spain because I'd read this book by Shirley MacLaine called The Camino. And basically, Shirley had had all these like really crazy, amazing experiences. And she'd walked the Camino because she said it aligned with the energy centers of the, um, the Milky Way and all these stars that were these incredible realigning um, energies for you. So when you walked this path, you were essentially getting zapped and realigned. And that's what I wanted. I was like, well, right. I want to go and get zapped and realigned. Like that's got to be, that's got to be good. <laughs> so that's what I did. I did that in between um, just before moving to London when I had a break, cause it takes sort of like a month, you know? Yeah. I, I loved, I, I read your book obviously, and I loved what you wrote about it. You know, you had all those expectations. What's going to happen? The transformation you're going to have. I could so resonate with myself, you know, I really strongly resonated. And then, you know, there were days when you just like had too much wine, you woke up with a hangover and then you were hiking in the heat. And I'm like, how the hell did you do that? How? I know. Tell us how. Oh my goodness. It was, re I mean, yeah, a lot of naivety, not a lot of preparation, a lot of sort of like just this crazy uh, confidence that I just had that I didn't really know what I was going into, but I'd just blindly do it anyway, you know? Um, but it was really funny because I really also, I mean, Shirley MacLaine had these really amazing spiritually enlightening experience. I mean, she was seeing beings from other dimensions. She was having past life experiences. She was having all this stuff. And I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. I want to do that. Not, no, didn't get a single iota of that at all. <laughs> it was like the complete reverse. <laughs> and every time I would sort of try to have this sort of sacred moment in church or something, something would happen that would mean that it was some comedy of errors. Like, you know, there was a woman who came into the church and gurgling stomach noises that were just so loud and ridiculous. It was like impossible to do a meditation, you know, and there was all these um, things like that that just kept happening. And that sort of started this comedy of errors sort of search that I started on, you know, as I was sort of really looking for things out outside of myself and going on all these experiences and, it's never been without a dull moment of something happening that was not what I was intending at all, which just makes it all the more hilarious, really. So, <laughs> yeah, lots perfect. of funny stories, that's for sure. Yes. And you climbed the Kilimanjaro as well? I did. Yes. I also thought that that might help me if I <laughs> did something crazy that I'd never done before. Um, maybe that would help me feel that sense of um, deep fulfillment that I was wanting. And again, not really. Um, but it was a real, yeah, it was an amazing, challenging experience. And that's actually a really sacred mountain as well. I found out all this sort of energetic information about it afterwards. And, you know, it's one of those things where you always end up where you're meant to be. And I'm sure that that was part of, part of the journey for me, even though I can't, couldn't see 
the energetic changes necessarily that I was looking for. I'm sure there were other ones that I was sort of integrating by having those experiences along the way. So tell us a little bit more, just, you know, I'm sure like you can't tell all of them because that's going to take hours and hours. What are different modalities, different things that you've tried, uh, different spiritual practices? <laughs> give us some, uh, give us some examples. Well, over the years, yeah, transcendental meditation. Um, then there's been a cactus journey, San Pedro cactus plant medicine journey, um, kinesiology, um, you know, NLP, you know, the tapping, I mean, I just, you could just list them, list them and keep going, you know, all hiking sorts the of, mountains. Yeah. Going, you know, doing just hiking in mountains, you know, all sorts of different stuff. But, um, you know, I mean, everything, I always came up sort of slightly empty. There may have been some shifts and changes, which was probably perfect in its own way, but it wasn't, none of it was really the answer that I was looking for. What would you say was the lowest point in your journey now looking back? Um, definitely in London. I had some really dark times um, and I was really, my emotional body was really out of control and um, I just was really unhappy and, you know, I felt like, you know, a depression, but it was the depression because I wasn't being my true authentic self it was because I wasn't where I wanted to be and because I had expectations of myself. Um, you know, so I think that was a really dark period that isn't really in my nature, you know, I d and it was definitely up and down. It was not like I was sort of like sitting there in the depths of depression every day. I was absolutely not like that, nor could I not get out of bed or something, but there was this undercurrent of unsettled, um, dissatisfaction with my life I guess is what it was and that definitely was at its peak during my sort of early 30s and mid 30s in London yeah. and when you're saying you know you went your real authentic self a lot of people say like what does it really mean right so mm -hmm. who were you inside and who are you showing to the world like where was that conflict well, I was always a bit of a walking contradiction because I was the party girl in New York and in London and very social and, you know, loves a drink of wine and going out dancing and just being, you know, just having a fun social time. And, and then I was like sort of in the spiritual closet off attending all these seminars, workshops and <laughs> all that kind of stuff in the weekend, you know, power animals and like this and that and so, you know, I think it was always, I always felt like um, there, those two worlds never really came together. And they, st they did progressively over time a little bit more. And I would talk to some people about it, but I don't think I really ever had like blatant, huge open conversations with people and my friends, especially. Um, I had to be sort of careful about how I broached things and what I said is what I felt at the time. And I think, you know, when you really just start to come in a state of trust and authenticity when, within yourself and you really just own who you are and, and who you want to be, then that all comes into alignment for you. And that doesn't need to be those separate things. They can actually coexist. There's no, nothing wrong with having those two things coexisting. And uh, it actually makes for 
more interesting person at the party, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the reasons, I mean, there are so many reasons why I love this book. And I, I really love that part that it's exactly what you're saying. I always was like that walking contradiction. I was the party girl. And then I was attending all the spiritual retreats and all these events. And this is what I truly believe in. Like, we don't have to choose. Spirituality no. doesn't have to look a certain way. I always say, you don't need to wear white linen clothes. You don't have to have mala beads. You can have them, but you don't no. have to. So, and obviously we will later on during this conversation, we will talk more about, you know, what, what does spirituality really mean and like how you see all of this. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to touch, you know, a little bit of that because mm -hmm. I think that's so, such a good message. And we need more books like that. We talk about like, yeah, you're allowed to be yourself. You don't need to. Yes. And yeah. it's not about like, you know, disassociating from these, these parts of ourselves that we might deem as, you know, wrong or bad or, you know, any of those things, which is just judgment at its finest. Um, but, you know, I think we really need to just be in full acceptance of who we are and all these aspects of ourselves, And we can be a wine drinking, you know, spiritual book writing, you know, like <laughs> social butterfly if we want to be. <laughs> Absolutely. All of it. Very interesting. Another thing that I found, like you actually grew up with a mom who was very much interested in spirituality. And it, it seemed to me in the book that was one of the reasons why you were a bit resistant, resistant to it in the beginning. So can you explain a bit more what was going yeah. on? Well, I did grow up. My mum was, um, she had some amazing experiences, like, you know, God, out of anyone, you know, Jesus, she saw Jesus came to her in hospital one time when she was having an operation when she was little. And then, you know, she was, you know, really at the, um, the beginning of that consciousness movement, really, I guess. And she was around, you know, during the harmonic convergence in 1987 is when she said she felt things sort of ramping up. And she's had, you know, channeling books, like fall off the bookshelf at her when she's on holiday in Fiji somewhere, you know, like all these things have sort of happened along her path that have been very much um, an outward um, uh, indication of, of all of the stuff that she was exploring, which is amazing, you know? Um, but it also, you know, my dad was a very, um, very, very different. He wasn't really interested in that kind of stuff at all. He was a businessman and he wanted his, his you know, colleagues and clients to feel comfortable around everyone and didn't want anything that was controversial to be discussed. And, you know, whereas Annie, my mom was just like throwing out things all the time. <laughs> and so it created a bit of friction in the, in the household, you know? So I think, um, and also because she was one of the first who was doing that, there was a certain amount of ridicule that went along with it when people were basically saying it was a crock of, you know, a crock of shit. So uh, I think that um, that is also natural when, when it is at a, at a place where not as many people, I mean, it's probably like talking about meditation 20 years ago when most people would have been like, I roll, no. And, you know, now it's like pretty much every, like, most people meditate, you know? And so I think it's just one of those things that takes time to sort of come around, but it definitely, because it was so controversial, because it created such friction, that definitely sort of put me off. I didn't really want to go in this direction at all. <laughs> I've got to say, probably went a little bit kicking and screaming. <laughs> yes, and you did. You didn't have a choice. You had to go. <laughs> uh, yes. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you also, you write, I mean, your book has so many interesting topics in it. I feel like there could be even like, we could take one topic and you could write another book about it. And you, you actually, you write 
something that really, really touched me very deeply. You, you wrote in your book, watching someone slowly die day by day is one of the most heart-wrenching things to endure. Mm. There you talk about losing your dad. Yeah. And it yeah. was a very difficult time in your life. Yes, it was. You know, I mean, that came out of left field. He, I just, you know, you just don't really expect for these things to sort of to happen until it happens to you. And you don't really know what the experience is going to be. And I mean, I'd just come back from spiritual retreat in Brazil. So I was in a really good place and everything was amazing. And then it all just got tipped upside down in about a second, you know? So, um, I think that whole, as much as I had an awareness of him needing to leave the body and to go into a different part of his soul journey or soul experience, it didn't make it any easier necessarily to have that happening in the physical. Because as much as we are these, you know, divine energy beings, we are still human. We're in this body and we have feelings and we have emotions and it's all part of the experience of us, of us doing this. So it, it's not like there's a magic bullet that says that you know how to deal with grief or um, that kind of situation of someone dying slowly in front of your eyes, unless you go through it. And, um, I just, you know, there's so much that goes along with that because all sorts of different stuff happens with the dynamics of people around you and there's all this other stuff that you deal with. It's never just that, which almost makes it so much worse, you know. Um, but at the same time, that's the intensity of the experience that's required sometimes just to really sort of cement our um, cement our, our knowing or process things that are in our field and in our energy system that we need to get through or you know, everything has, I, I believe, a higher purpose to it and a more, and everything is for our own evolution, right? So, you know, that was sort of designed to be the experience that it was for those reasons. And despite being very, very aware of that and clear about it as I went through it, it didn't make it any easier. <laughs> I was interviewing some episodes back, someone who also, we talked about loss and uh, losing, her, um, losing her partner to suicide out of the blue. And she was saying the same, although, you know, being a very spiritual person and doing yogi, doing all those meditation practice, it was not meditation that helped dealing with grief you just gotta sit in it cry as much mm -hmm. as you need allow all the emotions to flow freely and that is your medicine literally so, yeah and i would love to i'd love to read something that i i loved it's some very magical mm -hmm. moment mm -hmm. from your book one night the week after he died i was lying in bed and the entire boat shed was filled with the smell of cigar smoke I was confused looking for an open window to shut out the smoky neighbors before I ascertained all the windows and doors were in fact shut. It took me a few more moments to realize it was Devo, famous for his indulgence in the finest cigars on any given occasion. It wasn't the last time I was visited with the scent of cigars, and I'm sure there will be many more. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, I know. It's definitely, it's happened a few times. Um, mm -hmm. and. I, yeah, it seems to be that sense of smell that, because um, you have a psychic sense of smell, actually. Most people aren't aware of that, but it exists. It's a thing. And um, that, yeah, it's really heightened for me, at least. And that's how I know when he is around or visiting or, 
Um, and that was sort of more early on, you know, I haven't had that. It was the first couple of years that were since he passed away that, that I experienced that. And I sort of feel more the energy now rather than smelling something. But um, yeah, but it was, yeah, one of those things that you're like, hold on a minute. <laughs> and your whole book is full of those stories, actually. So many yeah. magical moments and it's just like, wow. I know, I know. Yeah, indeed. Wow. Also, another topic that I wanted to um, talk about a little bit is you also experiment, if, if it is the right thing to say experimented, but experiment, well, let me use that. Um, you, you had a lesbian relationship, right? While being very much straight. Yes. That's what you yeah. said yourself in the book. Yes. So tell us a little bit more about that. Um, well, essentially, you know, I have always been into guys, but like to be totally frank. And, you know, that was um, something that came along my path after my father died. And it actually, the way it came, it wasn't specifically to be in a relationship with a woman at all. It just, it just actually fell out of something else entirely. Um, and, you know, it ended up that suddenly I was in this relationship with a woman. I was sort of like, what is going on here? And, um, you know, I think I was very aware that uh, it was something that was happening on a soul level. It was a soul expansion for me that needed to happen. It was helping me deal with a lot of judgment, trust of the self, um, a lot of different things that brought up, you know, like, God, as much as, I mean, I've had a gazillion gay friends all my life and that has never been an issue. When it, when it was me in that kind of relationship, it was a little bit different story entirely. And also the, the, my reaction with, and also the reaction of people around me as well. And, um, you know, people love pe to put people in boxes, you know, like it's just the way of the world. They just want to do that. And it's really funny when you can't be put in a box, but they try anyway. And I think that, uh, you know, it was one of the most amazing, expansive relationships I've ever had. You know, it was just, uh, it took, took me by surprise. It came out of nowhere. And I, all I could do was just go with it, even though there were bits of it that didn't quite gel with me or feel right. I had to go on that exploration. It was just what was meant to happen. And, you know, it wasn't going to help if I fought it or denied it or, you know, didn't get on board with it basically so I just sort of went with it and had a wonderful experience for a couple of years actually you know um but ultimately um it wasn't where I was meant to go or who I was really ultimately meant to be with I didn't think so I sort of let it go and had to move on which was really hard actually but um that when you have that such deep connection and everything is happening on um many levels that are so right it's you know hard to sort of hold yourself account accountable to the fact that you may be denying yourself some things as well and you know we all have this give and take and um allowances and things but you know i guess it's about what you're pers what you're really personally um wanting in life and what you want to what, what we want to end up and you know i just couldn't i couldn't make that work really for me so, yeah. I felt it was one of the most powerful parts of the book where you describe letting go of that relationship. Mm. Knowing that, you know, you actually loved her so much. 
but then there was part of you that you knew you're denying like you're lying to yourself yeah and um it takes a lot of courage you know yeah as much as it ticked so many boxes you know it was it was just there was one that it didn't tick and it was really hard to sort of own up to that you know Mm. I really bloody tried to make it work too (laughs) just like but it just I just couldn't and then I had to like I had to really um you know show up for myself and say okay this is actually not gonna I'm not gonna be able to do this so it is one of the hardest decisions you can make when you know everything is what looks and appears to be really good in front of you and then actually there's something niggling at you the whole time so you know it was a huge lesson in trust for me of myself you know and I really doubted it was like everything was orchestrated to create the most amount of doubt ever possible in one's life and <laughs> mm. um, here I actually would love to read it's it's uh, it's a quote from your book but it's actually by your coach at the time uh, yeah when you doubt yourself you don't trust yourself and then the universe doesn't trust you because the universe is a reflection of how you see yourself yeah how powerful yes yeah it's pretty it's pretty interesting when you start breaking down things behind the story of what you see in front of you and that's what I've really become quite good at you know really seeing beyond what what is this (laughs) and what is happening here in front of me and with me you know and really looking at those 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 layers behind about what's the metaphor what's the what's the reaction here what's the emotion telling me what's the um what's this experience why am I well what this has been brought in oh what's this all about you know and really like really sort of looking at things on a different level that's going to allow us more understanding of ourselves because that's really where we're where we're doing the mining so to speak is of our into the depths of our own self and our own heart to find that alignment and that that sort of um true authentic self within i think so you wrote in your book manifestation is a bunch of us the guru is dead your ego is your amigo our mind is a divine instrument and we are all masters hallelujah <laughs> sister <laughs> so <laughs> you told us you've tried all those things Kilimanjaro, none of it helped you so what helped you well i guess it all helped me from a certain respect but it wasn't the answer you know so I think naturally we all have our own ways that we want to unravel ourselves, that we want to get down to what's important, that we want to dig beneath into the treasure below. And I think that, that, you know, every thing that we do and experience is actually our own evolution, you know, forcing that to happen for us. It's all like orchestrated for our own benefit, basically. So, you know, I think that, really the whole journey was constantly pushing me inside myself because the answers aren't outside ourself. This is a process of excavation of the self, if nothing else, (laughs) you know, and you can go and do all these things and have these experiences. But at the end of the day, if it's not taking you into yourself, then you need to be questioning what you're doing because there's different ways that you can interact with an experience or something that happens in your life. And, you know, it's all in the, the conscious awareness of how we do that. And so 
whether you're actively using your consciousness in relation to the innermost journey that you're having, um, then that's great. But if you're not, and if it's just something that's happening to you or around you or you're just along for the ride, then it's a different story. So I think it really is about how conscious you are in those moments of awareness through those experiences and journeys. But, you know, as I said, everything was, uh, came, it came up a bit lackluster for me and it, certainly wasn't until I started really stepping into my own um my my own sort of ways of doing things and and really intuitively going deep to figure it out for myself um and maybe I was inspired by some of these other experiences but the answers never came unless it was from me and, and the deepest knowing that I have that's ingrained within me so you know I don't think any of us know ourselves better than you know, we do. (laughs) Nobody else does. Sorry. No else does better than we do. So, um, you know, I think, you know, working with people to a certain extent can help in different levels of consciousness and where you're at. But at the same time that those people need to be pushing you into yourself because that's where the treasure is and that's where the magic lies. Mm. Yes. I, while I was reading this book, I could very much resonate with your story. Like I was sharing with you before that although experiences, you know, life experience been different, but where I kind of, I guess the insights that I had very much, I resonated with it. And I was just thinking there came a point in my life where I kind of maybe judged that experience, that part of me who was doing that spiritual seeking. But then these days I actually realized that it was part of the journey. I just didn't I didn't get what I expected out of it, right? I got yeah. like everything was taking me closer to just trusting myself. That's yeah. as simple it is. Absolutely. So it is, yeah. It's all about just, you know, removing those layers mm-hmm. and just becoming closer to our essence. That's what it really is about. Yeah, it sounds absolutely. so simple, but damn. I know. <laughs> <laughs> A, we like to overcomplicate it. B, it's not as simple in practice as, it, as we, you know, talk about it as but I don't know why that is it just is the way of the world yes but what are those practices that are helping you these days these days I definitely use conscious meditation so I use active forms of meditation to help me um, center and connect with myself ground my energy I pull my energy from you know we're energy beings we're often about all over the place and you know so I pull that energy back um, on the regular to um, help me operate from the most uh, full, full kind of energy being that I am I guess um, so I do uh, nature for me is 100% necessary I always out you know, in a walk or connecting with nature in some kind of way. So those are like some really, really key things. But I also use as a writer, I use writing um, and I do sort of these, um, yeah, connected writings that flow through from my um, divine essence that I, uh, that also punctuate the book. So uh, those writings I find really helpful because half the time it's sort of much, much broader and, um, much more kind of evolved way of thinking about things than I might. So um, that's really key for me. Um, and I just look after myself these days, you know, I don't let myself be um, swayed too much by 
anyone else's energy or my own or food or drink or anything. I'm sort of much more able to keep it an even keel as I go. Um, whereas it used to be that those things threw me out here and there, or, um, I had a funny relationship, but everything seems to have come into balance in that respect. So yeah, it's, it's all seemed to come together. Um, and then what else do I do? I mean, I just sort of, I do a lot of visualization and I just sort of honestly, intuitively create whatever I need to do in the moment. Sometimes I end up doing a ceremony by myself in a park. <laughs> sometimes, I, sometimes I end up sort of like, I just sort of creatively go through the, each day and, un, and understand what I energetically need. And then I do that. And every day is different. It's not like a set regime every day that I have to stick to at all. Um, but those basic fundamentals are sort of non-negotiable. So I definitely stick with those. <laughs> yeah. In your book, you also write about the new paradigm of, you know, and spiritual community. And, and one of the things that I really liked what you wrote about, wrote about it was about, you know, general theory in the spiritual community was that we needed to be high vibration, evolve spirituality. Uh, spiritually. Hmm. So tell us a little bit more about, yeah, what do you think about what is the new paradigm? <laughs> what is the old paradigm or what is the new paradigm? Yeah, it's so funny because I guess when I was on this search and I was dipping into spiritual classes and this and that and this channeler and um, I just assumed that they knew more than me for starters, which was part of the problem. Um, but also I really wasn't aware that that it's just the spiritual community is just sort of like any other community. And there is information that becomes outdated that people still cling on to. There is stuff that it's almost like they're trying to pedal for the masses as opposed to what we really need, which is individual solutions for our individual energy makeup. Um, and so I started to sort of realizing slowly <laughs> that things weren't adding up because I was doing all these things that I was being told to do. And then supposedly, you know, gurus and whatever had received, you know, enlightenment from that and all that kind of stuff. But it just was like not really creating seismic shifts in my life. And I was sort of like, mm, not sure if this is really, really, you know, the, the most effective path for me. Why is that? And so I was questioning it. And then, you know, I'd also come across people like the 83 year old shaman in Argentina who, you know, he's an amazing shaman. He does incredible healings and ceremonies and communes with ETs and spaceships a few times a week. And he sits there and has his, they just meat, wine, you know, cheese, like all of this stuff. It wasn't any puritanical behavior going on there. I was like, Oh yes, exactly. This is great. Why choose me? It doesn't need to be like that. Um, so I think that was what was, you know, I kept seeing examples of this being proven sort of flat to me. And I was like, yeah, actually, we don't have to be these puritanical people. And we also don't need to, you know, I think that the latest thing is this high vibrational versus low vibrational. And, you know, what does that really mean? And it's because, you know, there's certain frequencies that are associated with things. But really, we're all bloody alchemists anyway, and we can be changing the frequency of whatever it is. So it's all just a based in judgment, really. So I sort of, you know, I'm very, very careful when I talk about the, this kind of thing, because it's almost like, I don't, I don't want to make it one thing or the other, because that's not really the answer. It's, um, it's, I just know that 
um, yeah, it's mainly based in, in, in the, the frequency of the, the thing. And um, there is just still a lot of outdated information in the spiritual community that's being <clears throat> peddled, which I think is um, keeping us away from our own empowerment. You know, because when we're going to, you know, other things like spirit guides and, um, you know, even ascended masters, they're all aspects of us, really. But, you know, by us believing in a way that they're outside of us and they're more powerful than us and they have all the answers, then it's actually disempowering to our own energy because we are going to them from as a place of authority as a, and that is taking away the authority of our sovereign self. So there is a way to work with these things without the same intonation, which shifts the energy entirely, you know, and it's all really tiny tweaks in the way we understand energy that I think is the most important thing right now. And I think that, you know, it isn't, we have been, whether it's in a spiritual community or just in, um, you know, the real world, so to speak, there's things that we've been taught and ways we have been operating um, that have been disempowering to ourselves and our energy field. And we've been disempowering ourselves left, front and center without even realizing it, you know, and that's no fault of anybody's. It's just what is. So it's about, in my mind, bringing awareness to these kinds of things so that there is a bit more energetic understanding as we go. And, you know, there's been a lot of practices and modalities and things that have been super beneficial in the past at the level of consciousness we're at, but things have shifted massively now we're always in a constant state of evolution. So what worked, you know, 20 years ago doesn't necessarily work today. And what worked for you doesn't necessarily work for me. It's very much down to our own individual little blueprint that makes us up, that makes us miraculously different. Because when we can actually tap into that magnificence and that essence of who we are in its most powerful state, that's when we're literally living our light on the planet, which is what we're meant to be doing in this whole first place you know mm. but so much stuff has gotten in the way whether it's your upbringing or your education or your the country where you, your environment where you've lived in the world or just your experiences and who you came in as and what you are now I mean all of that stuff is just really it's a, just marker points and set up for our own evolution if we look at it like that you know and it's just about sort of figuring out your own Rubik's Cube as to what all that means and what is going to unlock when you are willing to look at outside of all of that into something else. You know, I think broadening the perspective on everything and being really open-minded that just because it's been written about in a science text doesn't necessarily mean it's true and right anymore. Everything keeps evolving all the time, you know, including science. So it's just one of those things that you just got to be um, really, really building that, that trust in, in yourself and also be a willing kind of um, explorer. Mm. Yeah. To see what's going to work and not. Yeah. Because yeah. we're all so different, you know, there's just not one size fits all. We've ended up in a state of mass everything due to our, um, you know, development as human beings, but it's really, I feel like going to strongly um, move back the other way. Um, and it's about highlighting the power of the individual and our own divine essence and running with that really above all else. Mm, beautiful. Um, you wrote in your book, I've been on this journey searching for all these years, trying to figure out the truth of this reality and who I really was in it. I've come to realize that if you're constantly searching, you're always in the energy of searching. 
can you say you've called off, called off the search? <laughs> yes, totally. It's so true though, isn't it? You don't think about it like that. But, you know, when you were, are searching, 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 you, of course you're in this frequency of searching, searching, searching. So you, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you're not going to find the answer. You're just not going to find the answer because you're just in the energy of searching all the time. So it's just... It's hilarious when you finally like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Love it. You know, and I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same. Um, it's the same with anything you align your energy to, which is really important right now, especially in this current state of the world, you know, where your attention goes, your energy flows, where you are aligning your consciousness with is where you are going to be. And so we've got to be really mindful of how we are using this <laughs> and where you know where our consciousness is um is taking us and and what we how we're directing it and what what the um impact of that is because we're all really really powerful you know and i just can't wait for the day when we're gonna all use that consciousness together to really like completely alchemically overturn all the stuff that's been happening you know that is crazy along the way um, because there's just such a power in that, you know, God, that was proven a long time ago, the power of like group meditation and things where it's just everyone using their focused consciousness at once. And um, it's just really about now the differentiation between using that in the a more, a way that is more evolutionary as opposed to um, contributing energy to the problem level of it, you know, like when we, I think people, what I was talking about before with um, the misguided use of energy and the things perpetuated by the spiritual community, you know, if you are putting all this attention to saving the whales, you are in the energy of them being in distress. You know, you're, you're, you're focusing energy and putting more into that level of being. Whereas when you, when you use your energy and consciousness in a, a way that is more expansive and you're aligning with a higher perspective, um, you know, that's when things, when you're really creating positive um, change and effect with your, your own being, you know, and, it, and I think the, the quote was from Einstein, you know, the, the problem can't be solved at the level it was created, you know, and that's exactly what that, that means. But, you know, often we unconsciously contribute our energy to different things in ways that, aren't necessarily what we're trying to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and let us know how can people buy your book? Ah, oh, well, at the moment it says an ebook available on Amazon or iBooks or Kobo. And again, it's called The Inside Hustle, A Mystical Misfits Trail Adventure into the Unknown. And I actually have just got the physical copies which is very exciting on its yeah. way yeah so those um will be through my website uh until i can get into bookstores that's going to be a bit far behind because of the whole covid caper so yeah my um website is www.joannawalden.com and i'm taking pre-orders for those at the moment or you can just join the mailing list so that you can keep in touch when they come out um, if the hard copy is your preference, it's in paperback. <laughs> Go get it now. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. <sighs> Thank you for listening. If you love this episode, 
please leave me a review or share it with your friends. It will mean the world to me. For more tips and ideas on keeping it real, visit my website on liaunapu.com or follow me on Insta at liaunapu, L-Y-A-U-N-A-P-U. See you next time.